Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The dream is made real! Ricky Hatton rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and I'm joined by Johnston for this big fight reaction show. And Johnston, this weekend is a weekend that has excited boxing fans. It's brought a lot of people back into the sport just when you think your passion for this sport starts to wane. Boxing brings you right back into it with a fantastic weekend of competitive fights, really, really good action across the weekend, across the different cards that we were talking about in our preview for that weekend. And the main fight was Benavidez versus Plant, which it lived up to the expectation, this particular fight. And Johnston, I'm going to give this to you, mate, to start this off, because you were right. You you said Benavidez, you had Benavidez in your head all along, and Benavidez got the victory on points. Yeah, it went pretty much how I expected. I felt that Plant would be the quicker, the faster starter, which he was. Um, he, he did uh, use a lot of his energy for me in that sort of first five to six rounds. And, and I, even though he won clearly in a couple of those rounds, I did feel that Benavides was always still in control of it. And I, I felt that there's only going to be a, mo- a moment in time where eventually this fight's going to swing. And it happened pretty much sort of from round six onwards I think it was about round or eight or nine where Benavides really hurt Plant um, and there were moments in the fight where I thought Kenny Bailey's could have stopped it but he he didn't um, sort of gave Plant some time uh, there was one moment in the fight where give him a bit of time with a it was a low it was a cut wasn't it and, and I felt that he'd given probably too much time but there were moments in the fight where Benavides could have stopped him and I did feel that there might be moments within the, in the fight that it, that would happen and uh, if it weren't for Bayless, I think 
he probably would have got it. If it had been another referee, I think he may have stopped it. But credit to Plant, he never went down. I thought he might hit the canvas at some point. He didn't. He showed great resolve, great resilience to keep battling on. But his legs went, didn't they, Sean? For me, halfway through that fight, his legs went and he looked very tired. And he was a, it was just, it was just a, a body bag, really, at points where I felt that Benavidez just sort of unloaded on him with a, a great selection of shots, worked the body well. Looked good, to be fair. I thought Benavidez really showed that this was... He, he took the moment. He really did. And he showed the world that he's definitely one of the best super middleweights in a division and a, and a huge contender, surely, now for the Canelo fight because of the way he pretty much bullied and battered Plant towards that second half of the fight. So the other talking part of this fight, Johnston, was the fact that people were criticising the referee, Kenny Bayliss, for being way too involved in the fight. I mean, that's something yeah, that... I, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I was looking at it and it just reminded me of Hatton and Mayweather and uh, obviously Joe Cortez and, and his over-involvement within that particular fight to con consistently break up the two fighters all the time. And I think that's what you were talking about when you were talking about the way Benavidez was obviously putting it on plant. And then when they would get to a point where, you know, they start to come together, Bayliss was just, again, my eyes a little bit too quick to get involved in the fight which I don't know what his reasoning was behind it because he's a very 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 good referee and I've never had a bad word to say about him as a referee but on this occasion I just don't think it was his greatest of refereeing performances on this particular night I think the action no. could have flowed a little better and I think if, I think what you're saying and the gist I'm getting from you is like if that would have flowed a little better maybe Benavidez could have actually got that stoppage in the fight is that what you're kind of going yeah. with Exactly. There, there were moments there where it looked to me that Plant was in a spot above her. And Benavides, as, as I mentioned before, his combination punches are awesome. They are. They're top-notch at times. And I felt that as he was in the flow, he was being halted a bit. But he, he was he kept his discipline. You know, he didn't really moan too much. And he, he got on with it. Um, And he done the, in the end, he, he battered Plant. But yeah, they definitely, Kenny Bayless, there were times where he stepping in, Sean. And I just felt like it was... It didn't need to be the case. He didn't need to do that. He could have let them sort it out themselves, which is what I like to see from a referee, is when guys come in close to give them a moment, give them a chance, because fighting on the inside is part of the game, isn't it? It's, it's part of the sport. And and I feel that, you know, he didn't allow that to develop when he probably should have. But as you say, Kenny Bates, he's a bit, he irritates me sometimes, though. I don't know, it's his facial expressions and stuff. They annoy me. No offence, but it's just the truth. And uh, But yeah, look, I've, I don't think anyone could ever question the fact that Benavides won this fight from sort of round six onwards. I actually had it 4-1 after five for Plant. And the way he was able to turn the fight round was was brilliant. And how controlled he was. Never panicked. He was back. He knew he must have known in his head he was a few rounds down. And I think one of the judges even had him five rounds down. So if he had allowed that six round and plant take it, then he's chasing the fight. So, you know, he could have he could have fell, fallen apart. Instead, he didn't. He, he was controlled. And and, he, and no matter, even though the referee was obviously clearly a very an irritating person in the ring, to be fair, watching the fight, he was very irritating. Just got to let the fight go, ain't you, Sean? But either way, I think he didn't he didn't panic. He, he controlled his, his aggression. And, and he looked pretty, to me, he looked very good from six on. Very good. Next conversation, next talking point. Is Benavidez now good enough on what we've seen to beat Canelo Alvarez. Now, this is a big question, isn't it? Because there's many people that think he is the man that could do it, that could beat Canelo Alvarez in the super middleweight division. Obviously, we're talking a little bit like Canelo's un 
beatable, which he's not, obviously. He moved up and he, he's been beaten off Mayweather and then he's been beaten off Dimitri Bivol, of course. So what I'm saying is in, in his natural weight, he, he seemingly seems unstoppable. So is Benavidez that guy now based on what we've seen? A lot of people don't think so. A lot of people, a lot of experts within boxing or these paid experts within boxing, they don't seem to think Benavidez is good enough to beat Canelo, that Canelo will find a way, that Canelo has a higher ring IQ than Benavidez and that Benavidez will succumb to Canelo Alvarez in a fight should those two meet. Benavidez certainly is deserving of that fight. I think he needs that fight and I think Canelo needs to, you know, to get his reputation back on to track. He needs to beat someone like a Benavidez, a young hungry lion, a guy that's being said is being avoided by Canelo. So this this is a great fight. This is a fight for the super middleweight division that needs to happen now. Obviously Canelo's fighting Ryder as we know on May the 6th. After that, later this year, there's no reason now why this fight cannot happen. This is a great fight, but can Benavidez beat Canelo, Johnston? Ah, oh, well, I mean, when you look at Bivol and what he done to Canelo, and he was able to bully him and push him back at times, has Benavidez got that ability to be able to do it? It's a slow start. To be fair, Canelo isn't a fast starter himself, but you know, if if Benavidez allows Canelo to just, you know, win the fight on just single odd shots, which is what he does in those opening rounds. Very rarely he will really go for broke in the early exchanges. So you, you, you can't help but see Canelo racking up a few rounds, if not sort of going beyond six, seven. And then Benavides really trying to put it on him. Has he got that power to push Canelo back like Bivol did? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can see him having moments and spells sort of to the end of the fight. But I do think that Canelo just ha- is a little bit, like you say, his ring IQ is a bit too savvy in there. And I, and I think he's just got all the right skills and ability to be able to beat a Benavidez. So that my opinion, I think I think Canelo still wins the fight. But if Benavidez can improve and just just start a bit quicker, if he can do that, sort of around, you know, even if he last sort of the first couple of rounds are 50-50, but just keep himself in there where he, he isn't completely at box, which plants did at times, you know, and if Plant can do that, I mean, what could what could Canelo Alvarez do to him? I just feel like he's going to have a mountain to climb halfway through that fight and then he's just going to fall onto something and he'll get hurt. So I'm not saying he's going to get stopped, but I think I think Canelo is just too good for him, mate. That's my opinion. Yeah, I understand your opinion. I think I think I, I agree with it. I can't really say I've seen anything in Benavidez where I think he will he will overly trouble Canelo. I think he'll cause him some problems, giving something to think about in the early going. But I think as think as the rounds go on, if I'm looking at this fight very early on now, I think Canelo has got the ring IQ for it, and Canelo has got the ability to do it. There's just a lot of a lot of rumours going around with Canelo at the moment that he's living the high life outside of the ring a little bit. That his oh, passion, okay. the, the, his passion for boxing is, uh, is is waning just a little bit. I don't know how true those rumours are. Again could just be complete bullshit but you know if that that's true at this point of his career where he's made absolutely shit loads of money and he's created a, a, a big legacy I can understand why you would start to to lose that passion just a little bit but again could be bullshit if it is and Canelo comes in here and absolutely blows Benavidez away then 
he just solidifies himself still as the one of the top dogs in the pound for pound list. Of course he does. It's a good fight. It really is, and it has to happen for the super middleweight division. I think Plant is at a stage of his career. He's thirty years old. I think he can fight with some great guys in the super middleweight division. He's definitely got a lot of good fights left in him. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next eighteen months to two years he, he ends up going up to light heavy, and and as he comes to the back end of his career, he starts to to move on a little bit. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest as well with Plant. I still think there's a few fights left for him at super middleweight, and if he's making weight comfortably, then then why not get these big marquee fights, try and push again once more. But I think when you've got Canelo in the division, you've got Benavides in the division, you know, your, your, your options are a little bit limited at the moment in terms of, of, of where you're going to go. And obviously, he's now fought the best guys he could possibly fight in the super middleweight division at this stage. So we'll see where his career goes from here. But overall, really, really good fight. Arguably one of the fights of the year. We've got a long way to go yet, but it's it's a really good fight. Really, really marquee fight that I've just, enjoyed. Just- just to jump in there and what you're saying there with Canelo, it does it rings uh, bells in my head with uh, Marvin Hagler's quote in it, where he says it's uh, it's tough to get out of bed to do road work at 5 a.m. when you've been sleeping in silk pajamas. I do wonder if that's yeah. Canelo's mindset. Now you've said that, mate. Maybe we'll see. Well, another person's career who he was focusing on this weekend was Lawrence Okolai, having been out of the ring for 12 months, having a change in trainer, having a change in promotional company. And he was in Manchester against David Light in one of the most lackluster cruiserweight fights in recent times, which there were many people leaving the arena, actually. If you watch back on social media, there were people filming lots of people leaving the arena it wasn't an exciting fight I suppose we thought that Lawrence Okolai would blow David Light away instead it felt like a laboured performance to get a victory over over David Light over 12 rounds and that's nothing against David Light I think there were times where Okolai could have put him away and, and for whatever reason he just didn't seem to to do that but then we've got to also remember he hasn't been in the ring for 12 months he's coming in after 12 months after having all the shite he's had outside of the ring with changing of trainers and promotional issues lack of inactivity I think that's shown on the night in comparison to his last few fights where he actually has looked really really good and we, we, we enjoyed the performances and we enjoyed the improvements but this was like going all the way back to when he fought Isaac Chamberlain a few years ago and, and it was such a lacklustre affair it felt very much very much like that to be honest with you with Lawrence Coli. what did you think of of that performance and are you sort of going down the same road as me did you feel it was a bit laboured and a bit lacklustre and that the ring rust played a factor in this and, and and also now now he's got the win what does he do next does it does it give people in the cruiserweight division an opportunity and go actually you know on that performance i want a crack at a coli yeah i'm with you i thought it was a bit of a snooze fest to be honest with you i think light had an opportunity that he didn't really take and grasp to be fair but lawrence was below par i don't know if it's maybe uh, Sugar Hill Stewart sort of coming in, trying to show him some new stuff. But I thought he got hit too many times for me, Okoli. One thing you you see under McGuigan was he would keep his his fighter away with that long them long levers of his, and then find the space for his shots, which was really improving. As you say, sort of in his last few fights, he was quite a joy to watch. He was very polished and very controlled, and I don't think he controlled the fight whatsoever. I think the element of bringing in Sugar Hill, not that he's gonna sort of um, change his style completely. It's going to work straight away. Maybe it's just gone back a step or two before he can really start implementing himself on a Lawrence and then really showing 
a different a sort of a side to him where he maybe a different side in terms of his shot selections etc and being more aggressive but he just seemed laboured he did he seemed a bit flat-footed he seemed a bit disinterested he felt like he had it won he didn't really he never got hurt by light he never was troubled by his power but he allowed him to get on the inside and uh, which is something you don't really see you didn't see under Shane McGuigan so um, I think it, it, that the fact that he was out of the ring for over a year you know, and, and to be fair, people will look at that fight and think, you know what, I can beat Lawrence. But it's not as simple as that. I don't think um, any other opponent that he he will face, whether it be Billum Smith, whether it be uh, Upataya, if he got that opportunity, or Reakpour, Dorticus, I think you're going to see a motivated Lawrence and he's going to prepare himself. I think he was a bit under-motivated for this fight. And I think it showed the inactivity the change of trainer and just the lack of motivation for it. And that was the result. And that was the performance. And that's, that's sort of what I see on, on the outside, maybe, and maybe a little knock, maybe an injury. Oh, who knows? But I was just I, very labored, very, very controlled in a way, but very labored, always in control of fight. Yeah, it wasn't, it was a both. It was an absolute snooze fest, but I, you know, you know what you're going to get with Lawrence O'Shawn. You have those snooze fests and then he will go and fight someone like an Opatire or a React Port and he'll knock him out in three or four rounds because yeah. he has that about him. So I, I, I sort of see that coming next. I think he's be more motivated next time. He needs to get back in that ring and get a big fight because it's he's, he's not going to be long, Sean, before he's too big for this weight and he's got to move up. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, this is what we were talking about in the preview is how many fights has he got left now and, and he needs big fights. And he doesn't seem to be not open to the idea of fighting Billum Smith or Reakpor, even though he's a world champion and arguably he's, he's you know, a different stage of his career. The impression I got from him is that he's willing to take on all comers, which is good because the likes of Bill and Smith and Reakpor are both chomping at the bit for, for big fights, aren't they? And with there being a bit of needle between Reakpor and Akolai from that, that premiere of Creed 3 when they was having a little bit of a scuff, you know, in the uh, in the foyer of the cinema, I think it was, um, I think it's definitely a bit of needle for a really big British cruiserweight world title fight, you know, and, and, and when was the last time we saw a big British cruiserweight world title fight? I mean, the first one that springs to mind was David Hay obliterating Enzo Macrinelli all those years ago. So, you know, we haven't had yeah. 
something as big as that where someone's got a world title for for some time. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, listening. There might have been one that's completely slipping my mind. But when I think of big cruiserweight world title fights involving two British fighters, I think of Macronelli versus Hay and that dismantling. But Akolai versus Riakpo, that would be a really good fight. So I think next up for him, he needs that fight. Like you say, he needs a fight that's going to really motivate him. He's going to get past all this issue. He's now with a new promoter. He's now with a new trainer. He's been in the ring. He's defended his world title. Really, now you're hopefully going to get to see a better version of him in his next fight. So, yeah, it was a, it was a snooze fest. It was a bore fest. And it felt like the fight before that, or the fight, two fights before that, Gomez Jr. and Levi Giles felt like the main event, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I, watched, I watched that fight. I'm going to mention that. Uh, shortly, because that that felt like the main event, and Lawrence Coli's fight actually felt like the float, you know, the floater fight, which was which was a shame, really. It honestly did. Like you could see people leaving the arena, like four or five rounds in, people were leaving because they were that bored of the fight, and maybe they'd they'd seen what they'd wanted to see within the Gomez Junior and Giles fight, and then they just left after that, and it, it was it was it was a shame, really, but. You know, it wasn't an exciting fight to watch, so understandably, people were at the point where they'd they'd seen what they'd wanted to see, and they just wanted to go out on the town and 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 finish their night, of course. But what did you think of 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 the Gomez fight then, the Gomez and the Giles fight, which was one that I said would be a really good fight, a fifty-fifty. Uh, we didn't obviously record prior to the weigh-in, and at the weigh-in, he absolutely floored Levi Giles with that push, and you know, it was uh, it was a moment which. You know, caused a lot of controversy going into the fight. I mean, we talk about weigh-ins, we talk about boxing brawls. Hell, we've done an episode on it in the past. Um, but Gomez Jr. stepped up to him and, and gave him a really good shove, landed Giles on his back, could have banged his head off the off the stage. Anything could have happened there. And I believe the boxing board of control have actually suspended him following this fight now. And he's now going to have to go in front of the board and, and, and have a conversation with them about that, that altercation, which in his post-fight interview he did apologise for. But... Let's focus on the fight itself. It was a, a highly competitive fight. It was a tale of two halves. But there was many people that felt that Giles got the decision and that Gomez shouldn't have won that fight. Uh, me, I am one of those people. I watched that fight and I felt like Giles probably just edged it. I think the card that was given to Giles, I think it was 96-95 if I remember rightly, that was the one I felt that should have been the winning card for Giles. And Gomez got the two cards where he was like four or five rounds ahead, which I thought was a bit a bit harsh on Giles, to be honest with you. But some people were saying, oh, well, it, it could have gone either way. But I didn't see it that way. I only saw it really one winner. But I don't know what you think of it, Johnston. And this is why I'm yeah. bringing you in now. What did you think of the fight and, and the outcome? Yeah, for me, I, f- I felt the first sort of three, three rounds um, went to Gomez Jr. I thought he, he started well. And then Giles came back. I did even after six. And then I had Gomez then realising that he's actually probably put pulled it even here. He, he put the foot back on the gas. I thought he won the next sort of couple of rounds. And then Giles came back again. So I, for me, I think after six, it was even. And then from seven to ten, I mean, take your pick, really. I sort of felt Gomez took two and I thought Giles took two. I feel that it ended as a, as a draw. I thought that was going to be the decision from the way that the reaction was and seeing Gomez. He, he knew. He was shocked himself. He was sort of uh, really happy with the victory, really celebrating with the Irish fans. But yeah, I, I honestly, I, I thought that it was going to, I had it as a draw. I had it, but I, I couldn't argue either way. Uh, 95, 96, either side, I would have been happy with. Probably more Giles, to be fair. I thought he'd done good work after, sort of from four rounds onwards, Giles was really in the fight and, and, 
and at times did enough to win those a lot of those rounds. So I'm with you. I wouldn't have been surprised if it went Giles, but I felt that for me, I thought a draw would have probably been a fairer reflection. And I believe that if anything, I mean, it was a good enough fight when it was thoroughly entertaining. Um, and um, because of that, because it was even, because it was an entertaining fight, the crowd enjoyed it. It was, it was a great, it was, it was really weird because the crowd got really hyped, didn't they? That, you know, it was like, this is great. And then you had the Frazier fight when it was like that, the guy sort of folded in and he bust his hand or something after two rounds that you could see the atmosphere decline from that point. And then after six rounds of Lawrence, like, I'm no wonder why they left. They thought, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> but end of the day, it, they, they should have used that. They, you know, the, the, the atmosphere was really getting, picking up a bit and it went flat from after them two performances. Not Frazier Clark's fault, to be honest. It was his opponent's fault and obviously Lawrence's last performance. But, I think you've got to have a rematch, Sean. Um, and I would stick out on on another another fairly big enough card. I've, I don't see why not. Uh, and, and because of the fact that it was so close, and you're probably saying Giles, many others saying Giles, I think a draw, they've got to do it again, haven't they? Well, you think so. And, and the irony is, like, Michael Gomez Jr. trains at the gym where my children train. So my, Mikey's trainer, Marvin Greaves, actually trains my kids. So <laughs> Mikey's been in there and helped train the kids. So this reputation that he's got uh, of being a bit of a prick sometimes can be warranted, you know, with some of his actions. But I've seen him at the gym and I've seen him with the kids and I've seen in, in the dedication he has. Uh, I'm not condoning what he did in the way in and, and the big push and all that stuff. You know, he needs to be reprimanded for that, absolutely. And, you know, if I see him at the gym, I'll say, you shouldn't have done that, mate. It's as simple as that. Like, you know, I, know, I understand the heat of the moment stuff, but yeah, he's apologised for it. At the end of the day, he's apologised for his mistake. Uh, it's done and dusted. The fight's done. They've accepted it. The Both sides have accepted it. And now it's time to get it on again, like you say, on a bigger card. I think I think it's definitely warranted of a rematch. I think there was justification for it. I enjoyed the fight. It, like you say, and like I agree, I feel like after that fight had happened, the uh, the actual crowd just went. They went dead. Nobody was interested in the rest of the card, uh, which is a shame for Lawrence, really. And it also then bloody gives Eddie Hearn a little bit of ammunition to what he was saying to Boxing Social about a week or so ago when they were saying if you walk down the street and you ask someone who Eddie Hearn is and someone who Lawrence Coli is, they'd know who I am but they wouldn't know who Lawrence is and you know them sort of them sort of arsewipe comments that he makes and um, it sort of brings a bit more ammunition to them comments admittedly when, when, when you obviously see something like that happen where people are sat and walking out on a world title fight which is a shame really but Hopefully, in Lawrence's next fight, like we've said, he will get a, a, a really good fight, a really explosive knockout victory, or he'll, or he'll be in a fight if he is on the losing end, and it's an explosive fight, and it, and it makes people stand up and go, wow, that was, a, that was an amazing fight. Hopefully, that happens for him, but when he's had a couple of rubbish, lacklustre, unmotivated-looking performances like that, it doesn't help the cause. Of course, it doesn't. So, they were the main two fights that we covered in the preview. But there was one card that I wasn't expecting to be as good as, as or have as many good fights on it as what it did. And that was the Queensbury card as well. I never thought that we would actually be talking about a Queensbury card and saying this was a really, really good card because it is filled with Prospect versus Journeyman. There's about six or seven fights on that card from Saturday. It was just Prospect versus Journeyman. Then you get into sort of the the, the other four, and they were they were highly competitive fights. 
Now, Nathan Heaney and Jack Flatley was the one I said in the preview everybody should look out for and watch, and it, it delivered. It really did deliver. But the one fight that really also delivered was Andrew Kane versus uh, Ionet Baluta. I thought that was uh, a really, really good yep. fight between the two of them. And, you know, uh, Baluta got the victory on a split decision. He really put on a... a Great comeback, given the fact that he got dropped early in the fight. Andrew Kane was absolutely gutted after the fight, and I, I like I say, them two particular fights stand out to me. They were they were the ones where I thought that that actually really made it a decent card. Then you had Jason Cunningham's win, and then you had Raven Chapman's win on that card, and actually it, it kind of made it a little bit better than just a, a card full of prospects versus journeymen. And, and it was them four fights in particular which made me feel like this weekend in general boxing has been has been good and it's pulled us back in with all the the crap of the negotiations and the breakdown of the Fury Usyk fight and then obviously Conor Ben's saga still going on and making the headlines all the time it's these sorts of fights and these sorts of moments that pull you back into the sport and, and make you become more motivated for covering it again because you know I've seen so many people recently that have have, have started getting involved in boxing media after I started and then they've left again within about three or four years because they just can't find the passion for it anymore and you can kind of understand why but this weekend was another good reason why boxing always pulls you back in so you had them fights this weekend on the Frank Warren card but we also mentioned Jose Carlos Ramirez and Richard Comney's fight which also turned out to be a pretty damn good fight it did yeah um Ramirez uh come through as expected. I didn't expect him to stop him, um, to be honest with you. I wasn't expecting that, but um, I sort of felt that it was going to, it was only one way it was going. And uh, Comney, obviously, yeah, I, I don't know where he goes, really. He's just going to be an opponent, as he pretty much was. And Ramirez goes on. Um, he's one of the, the best in the division. Um, and, and rightly, he deserves to get a shot once again at a world title at some point. Uh, you know, I was impressed with him. Um, but Comney, I do feel that he's he's, he's on the slide, mate, for me. And uh, I sort of said that in in our preview. And I still feel that after the performance. But just mentioning, you you mentioned the Kane. I want to go back to the Kane Bellator fight. The one thing I will say is if people didn't know, Kane actually, I think he broke his hand in the first round after smashing Bellator to bits, really. Um, and then Bellator to come back as he did was a great performance. And when I watched that fight again, do you know what? I felt that Bellata just nicked it. And a lot of people were going insane over the fact that Kane didn't get that win. And it was an absolute robbery. Uh, I'd advise anyone, if you can get the fight, go back and have a look and tell me and tell us, I mean, if you think Kane won that convincingly. I don't think he did, Sean. I don't know about you. But Kane, obviously, if he didn't break his hand, I think, um, obviously, he would have put in a better performance and probably seen the fight out and probably won it convincingly. But I thought Bellat had done really well to come back in and, and take the, the the fight for me by a round, literally just one round, I think I had it by. But yeah, just intrigued just to go back to that one. But yeah, Jose Ramirez, uh, Ramirez uh, good performance from him as well. Yeah, it's been a really good weekend. I've really enjoyed the yeah. the fights and going across the different platforms as well. Like, which you know, we 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 do complain a lot about the amount of money that has to get spent on on watching a lot of the fights. And there's some great platforms out there to be able to watch them on. And there's great ways in which you can actually access the fight these days as well. But there was that many to cover this weekend. Uh, it was impossible to, to be able to do like a fully fledged detailed breakdown of every single fight that was going on. And, and that's why we, when we do these shows and we do them in sort of short half an hour, 40 minute segments is because, you know, we want to try and sort of throw in a few opinions, a few, a few of these notable fights and these, these fights this weekend, 
what it made me do on 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 Sunday was sit back and go, do you know, there's some moments in this sport that absolutely turned me off, and I just want to go, do you know what? I'm done with this sport. I'm absolutely finished with it. And you know, we start questioning like why we cover these shows on a weekly basis, and then there's fights that happen over the weekend, and ultimately they pull you back in to the sport and you think you know what this is exactly exactly why i love covering this sport on on a weekly basis because you just never know what's going to happen so that's pretty much it for this fight reaction show just a few little housekeeping things as always if you haven't tuned in to the darker side of boxing podcast please go and tune into it and you can find it on any available podcasting app out there season three has just finished our wrap-up show has just gone out this week and we also have an additional episode coming which is our bloopers episode which is a a great little collection of moments and mess-ups that we've done throughout the course of recording that particular season and the patrons got it earlier than the general public and the reaction from the patrons of the podcast has been uh, really welcoming which is it is good because you don't always know if putting stuff like that out there is is worth it or not actually people have found it hilarious so if you do want to listen to that that is out next monday but if you haven't listened to any of the season you're relatively new to the podcast and you're only just hearing about it please go and check us out the darker side of boxing podcast or career profiles or legendary nights we've got four shows in total so please make sure you do check out all of those shows on any podcast app out there a big shout out again to those patrons for supporting us thank you as always for the support that you're providing to us and if you are not already a patron and you want to check out what else we do additionally to these weekly shows and series based content you can do that by checking us out at btr boxing podcast on patreon.com please go and check us out because we do have additional content that doesn't get released to the general public we have an exclusive series called boxing through the decades we will be dropping our latest episode on our patron only feed very shortly which we're up to the 1950s now we've been covering each decade from the very beginning of the 20th century and we're going all the way up to 2020 so you know, some great episodes coming, some great moments. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is get this definitive list and, and the parameters for this definitive pound-for-pound pound list in boxing. But we also do a, a, a list for each year as well of, of some of the best fighters and, and why we think they're the best fighters. So, yeah, please do go and check that out and some of the other great content we've put out there and of course you'll get all these episodes ad free you'll get some of the series based content earlier than anybody else so it's certainly worth putting a little bit of extra support to us by doing that because it really helps us then produce higher quality shows and and more frequent shows as well it allows us to to do more things throughout the course of a year and, and outsource some of the additional support to be able to do that so yeah that is it then for for this episode as always big thank you to everybody listening we hope you've enjoyed it we are going to be back again this week with the anthony joshua jermaine franklin preview so please look out for that thank you for listening and we will see you next time Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.